The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. You know, ever since we started this podcast, people have been asking for advice. Usually it's what team to bet on this week. Truth is, I really can't give away that information for free all the time. I thought they were asking whether they should leave their wife. That too. Well, go to my bookie. Check it out. They'll give you lines on all games. You can bet any sport. It's wonderful. You don't need me to talk to you. The Greek doesn't have to be in your ear all the time. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. And that's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys. They're your best bet this season. If you're willing to deposit after 7 p.m. Eastern Time, they will give you an additional $25 free play on any deposit over $100. You can use promo code MIZ25. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar. It's up to you guys, but I'd wait until after dinner and take advantage of this extra 25 bucks. You play, you win, you get paid. Take it from the Greek. My bookie is the way to go. the Mazzotcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazzotcast. I'm your host, Brennan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is Emmanuel Hall's personal groin masseuse, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum-dums? And the president of the Bobby Petrino Come to Mizzou fan club, Caleb Bungart. Hello, kids. So, fellas, Missouri played at home again this week after a uh, big win in Florida and snuck by the lowly Vanderbilt Commodores, 33-28. to and it was another nail-biter finish for the Tigers. The first time this year, though, that we actually came out on the happy end of a nail-biter. Yeah, we gave them three chances at the end of the game to take it away from us. As we do. do. That's it. our move. Yep, we tried. Uh, Drew Locke threw a costly interception towards the end of the game. Sure. And, uh, and uh, we let their offense get within striking distance. I mean, we've, we've <laughs> we played really soft secondary so they could march down the field very rapidly. Yeah, we, we've we made sure they had timeouts available. We did everything I, we could. Listen, I mean, there's a lot of talk. Is Odom the guy for the job? Is Odom not the guy for the job? If he's not the guy for the job, I think we should hire a defensive coach. <laughs> yeah, I'm tired of these offensive masterminds like Barry Odom. <laughs> yeah. It's a very frustrating component because there were things that we knew when we hired Barry Odom. It was one that he was raw, and he was going to take some time, and he was going to make some mistakes because he'd never been a head coach before. We swallowed that. We knew that uh, he was going to have trouble recruiting. He was not a big name. He'd never done this before, and so we were going to try to, you know, really try to have to struggle on the recruiting front. But one thing we knew also was that he was a defensive mastermind, and right out of the gates, we were going to have some strong fucking defensive teams. And third year in a row, our defense is fucked up. Yeah, TJ Moe's out there telling fans to shut up because it wins a win and everybody should be happy about it. And people are were biting at us because of uh, our stance that, you know, not all wins are created equal and yes, a win's a win, but, you know, that doesn't mean you get to ignore all the problems that 
that happened on Saturday. And I don't understand this. You know, we ha- I had a guy tweeting at us that we should add another person to the show, somebody who's more Pollyanna and, like, more positive. I'm like, this show is not about positivity. It's positivity <laughs> when there's reason to be positive. But, like, just because we won doesn't mean we're going to ignore the fact that Vanderbilt came into our house and for basically three-quarters of this game roughed us up. Vanderbilt, you know, we, we, we manhandled Florida in the swamp, but in our own, in our own backyard, you know, that fucking, uh, running back, Vaughn had his just dick slapped us up and down the field all day. But I'm supposed to ignore that, Brennan. Don't talk about it because we won at the end of the day. It's not a problem because we won. It's, so just ignore it. It's fine. We need somebody positive on the show. You're right. We, we need positive people. Fuck that. Don't listen to this show for affirmation. Listen for information, you shitheads. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, I, and for the audience, that's, I know that's the best thing for everyone. We got a rant of the year candidate. Yeah. I, 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 the thing about this uh, season is it does give people whatever they want to take away from it, they can take away from it. If you are a Pollyanna fan, and we know there are a lot of them out there because they supported Kim Anderson for three fucking years, even though every piece of evidence in the world of reality and rational thinking said, get rid of this fucking Frankenstein monster. <laughs> But if you want to take away positivity from the season, we're going to go to a bowl game. It's the second year we're going to go to a bowl game. Our record's likely about to be the same as it was last year, maybe even a little better. But if you're someone who is more grounded in reality, logic, and actually wants your team to perform at its best capable ability, which apparently makes you a crazy person, then you you see negative Nelly. Then you see at least two games we left fucking. W's on the field, and possibly a third one against Georgia. If replay shit goes our way, and if just a couple of odd ball things that never go Missouri's way did go Missouri's way, I'm not throwing Georgia out of that mix either. We're looking at a two-loss team here, possibly a one-loss. I know that sounds crazy, but that's what the talent level on this team equates to, and now we've got four losses and, and six wins, so I guess we're happy. I mean, a win's better than a loss, no doubt about it. But I, like I still see I what Barry we Odom. can do and I want aren't him doing. To succeed. I want Barry Odom to succeed. He's great on the show. You know, I like Barry Odom. I want him to do well. But I'm not going to turn my head away and ignore problems. You know, we've got too much of that going on in this country anyway. You know, don't pay attention to what's going on. You know, like, fuck that. Barry Odom's got issues. And I'm not saying he can't fix them. But don't at me on fucking Twitter because I think it's a dickhead move for TJ Mo to tell critics of Odom to shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Get to shut up. Their fans have a right to fucking their opinion, but their opinion is not as valid. Yeah, you ought to have a secondary that is decent. I think that's most fucking of the, insane, Caleb. I think most of the problems that come from these games happen in the secondary. They don't come up and tackle. They don't cover anybody. You're a shitty negative fan. Let I me ask you this, Caleb: Have you ever been a slot receiver for the University of Missouri Tigers? No, I have not. Then shut. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Then you can't make any goddamn sense because only those people, only who are slot receivers for the Tigers, have opinions that are valid. Well, I had a gentleman last night that is 72 years old and has a bronze star tell me that their secondary was terrible. So I think he trumps T.J. Mo. Well, did he play slot receiver? I think he probably did, and he killed a lot of. Oh, God. <laughs> well, the beat up button's coming out. Oh. Definitely beeping that. Definitely, definitely beeping that. Thank him for us. His, thank him for his service, would you? Yeah, yeah. Especially yeah, tomorrow's Veterans Day. Mm-hmm. I yeah. do think that TJ Moe probably thinks being a veteran of the University of Missouri football team as a slot receiver is more important than being a veteran of the military. Of the United States, I, I believe you're correct. <laughs> uh, yes, I do. Well, I just, I, I, my, my big problem is, and all, so I know we're being tongue in cheek, but th- this, this team has issues, and even in a win, it's okay to identify those. 
it's okay to acknowledge that we're still not sold on Barry Odom. Well, people make fun of Saban for getting down after beating somebody by 40 and talking about the issues that they have. Right. Well, and that's how you improve. Yes. They, they hammer him on it, you know, that he can't be satisfied. That's not a bad thing, I don't believe, you know, to be unsatisfied with a win. The truth is, is I don't want somebody on here, like, I don't want to get a, or add a fourth member to the team who is a Pollyanna because, to me, if you're going to sit in the camp where you're going to be like, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Like, you guys should just be happy with the win and shut your mouth. That person's too stupid to be on this show, and we'd end up strangling them. When they came into the, the, you know, can you imagine the three of us arguing with somebody's like, I don't know, guys, a win's a win, and Odom's just, you know, you got to give him more time, and he's awesome, and let's not talk about any of the bad stuff. Yeah, I mean, stu too stupid for this show is really saying something negative yeah, about a person. Yeah, exactly, because we are morons. And uh, I don't want a fourth person because I don't want to buy a fourth microphone. <laughs> it makes all the sense in the world. <laughs> so, well, I mean, I guess we haven't really talked about the game at all, but what I saw in this game and I wanted to bring up was two points, really. One is that Vanderbilt's offense was a lot of, uh, a lot of tricks, magic tricks, you know, it was so many play action, Readiness. fake handoffs. It was all about misdirection. And, it, and it's yeah. smart by Derek Mason. When you know you don't have the horses in the stable, you do what you can with what you can, and you've got an experienced senior quarterback who knows how to run complex offenses yeah and smart enough to be at Vanderbilt right so so he played those the, the problem I had with this is that uh, this is not the first game in which they've used this offense and uh, Barry Odom's defense looked like they didn't know that this was the type of off offense that Vanderbilt ran how can we be this ill-prepared I mean they were running these little stunts and these little five-yard play action short yardage passes and we were getting fucking burned on it our linebackers had no fucking clue where to be. Hey, Brennan. Yeah. A win's a win. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. The, 
<laughs> the other thing I, I noticed about this game and compared directly to last week's Florida game was that I think, and I didn't say this on the show, but I think one of the absolute fucking keys to Missouri looking good last week and not looking good this week is third down. Since I've been a Missouri fan, it's been so frustrating. When we're on defense and the offense has third and 18, I think it's a 50-50 shot, you know, that they're going to get yeah. 18 yards on this play because they seem to always give up third and long. And against Florida, didn't matter if it's third and two, fourth and one, third and whatever, they stopped Florida. They stopped them every time. Once we got to third down, it felt like punting territory, and it never felt like that as a Mizzou fan. It felt good. And this week, we're back to our old tricks. Man, they had so many third and longs, and they got, at one point, they were, I think, five for eight for third downs, which is fucking crazy. Now, the key to Missouri's win, I think, was they actually stopped them at the goal line on fourth and went down. So hats off to that in that particular moment, and then we went 99 yards and got a touchdown. Game changer. But for so much of this game, it could be third and 21. Shermer's probably going to get it because their fucking defense is so soft. I don't know how to fix it. I don't know what they're doing, honestly. I look at the, I watch the games. I don't know. I don't, I'm, are they in a zone or in the man? I can't really even figure it out. Is that a high safety? What is going on right now? And because truthfully, they're, the gaps are so huge. I can't tell if they're playing a zone or if they're just playing 17 yards off of the receiver in a man. I don't know what they're doing on defense. And apparently they don't either. Well, and, there's so and many. It's all well and in to say a win's a win and great win against Vanderbilt. We're bowl eligible. That's true. But where do we want to be? You know what I mean? Like, well, we have we two more go? games to play, so if you don't try to improve... You're not going to beat Georgia playing defense like this. I watched Tennessee play Kentucky because I was curious about it. You know, I knew that Kentucky's deep offense had been struggling since we've been playing them. Tennessee beat them handily, easily. Now, Tennessee did not look like a necessarily good football team but because uh, Kentucky looked like shit. But they're not going to play dead for us. Nobody, you know, people act like all we have to do is win out, you know. Nobody's going to lay dead for us. Even Arkansas, even lowly, terrible fucking Arkansas that was absolutely destroyed by that fat pig of a heart attack man, Brett Bielema, <laughs> and is left in rubble. They're not going to play dead for us. And so, yeah, I'm not going to say a fucking win is a win. I'm going to see the flaws and be like, why aren't we fixing these fucking things that we've been plaguing us all year long? Arkansas almost beat LSU yesterday. They're not a rollover team. Arkansas put up 31 on Alabama. You know what I mean? Like, they're... They've got a lot of losses. And this is what I always say about Vanderbilt a lot of times is that Vanderbilt doesn't embarrass themselves. They always have a bad record. They always, as much as we bitch and moan, Vanderbilt always comes out on the wrong side of these games like yesterday. But they give everyone a game. You know, they don't give you any freebies. Yeah, you know, the running game, again, was it was solid. Drew Locke was not, you know, like, I was really hoping the Florida game was a turning point for Drew. And and he did not have his best game. That interception, uh, now, granted, the interception towards the end of the game looked like uh, as much Knox, it was, it was as much on Knox as it was on Drew Locke. But that, that that's a, a good indication of, like, we talked about we want the Florida game to be the, the standard, the rule, not the anomaly. One of the things we didn't do in that Florida game was drop passes left, right, and center. And yep. we went right back to doing that. Jonathan Johnson, boy, he's picked up the mantle where Jamon Moore left it. He really has. He really has. I mean, he dropped a touchdown in South Carolina that would have won that game early on in the game. He, I've seen him. I, I've got, I know there's at least three third down conversions that popped to mind that where he dropped. Of course, the intercept, there's a huge interception that he caused by, by letting the ball hit him in the goddamn head. Yeah. So the, we found a new tight end yesterday, though. Yeah, yeah, sure yeah that was enjoyable. Apparently, we have an endless supply of tight end capability. Yeah, that's okay. That's okay with me. Yeah. Johnson is frustrating in the exact same way that Moore was frustrating because he will do something absolutely fucking boneheaded and drop a pass that you or I could easily catch. And then he'll fucking do something that's absolutely crucial to keeping a, a drive going. You don't know whether to love him or hate him. And it's just, it feel exactly like I felt like against about Jamon Moore. It's just so, God damn you. Oh, fucking great catch. You know? loved him so much. Yeah. And you know, another thing about the interception you mentioned when it bounced off his head. I see so many of these plays where something 
freaky like that happens, and then another offensive guy comes and picks it up and runs yeah, it in. I saw that this weekend. Never, yeah. Fucking never happens for Missouri. It's always the defense that comes down with those fucking balls. Absolutely. Goddamn never fucking happens. But, uh, you know, hats off to the uh, defense, Mizzou defense, for, for holding. And, you know, that final drive where Vanderbilt, by all rights, should have scored and won the game and left us with our souls crushed once again. Terry Beckner Jr. started that drive by fucking just plowing through that offensive line and sacking Kyle Shermer. That was the difference in the game because it forced them to take that time out or well, else they have that time doesn't out. Doesn't that remind you of anything else? Kentucky-wise, whenever Therese Hall did the exact same goddamn thing, but because Barry Odom let him have extra time out, we lost. Yep. S- same fucking thing. They ran out of t- they ran out of clock. That game played out exactly like Kentucky would have if we'd have had a real coach. Yeah. Well, I don't want to go that far on a limb because I, I I'm not advocating firing Barry Odom necessarily at this point, but I am willing to acknowledge that he is on the hot seat, and if you don't have him firmly on the hot seat, you're not being realistic about what he's done in these last three years. You know what I'm saying? Like. That's just that's just reality, guys. I mean, he has not earned a, a contract extension. Well, I think it's just like that pot smoking caller said last week. He blows the season early to where we're not in contention for the conference or anything else, and then figures it all out halfway through the season. And then we're all kind of like, we you kind of forget what happened at the front end of the season because we have this big stretch of proud, exciting wins, and he gets his contract extended, even though we've never been in contention for anything because he shits the bed on the front end. He's a he's a two pump chump when it comes to the beginning of the season. <laughs> sure, that's why all the sportscasters are saying it. <laughs> yeah. Rod's Rod Smith. That's all he says. Oh, Barry Odom's a two pump chump. I guess where I'm at right now, and, I, and then of course this obviously can change if we lose embarrassingly to Tennessee and Arkansas. But if Barry Odom wins out, I'm willing to give him year four. I want him to have year four. It's like okay, three years. He is officially no longer wet behind the ears. Mm-hmm. He's officially played coordinated and head coach to football team and he's going to get out of the gate a little hotter you know the, the by all accounts and I don't follow recruiting so they it's really I am just going off other people's information they say he's he's starting to, to really do some work on the recruiting trail you know I don't want to I don't want to disrupt that necessarily with the big caveat that he went out and and he gets one more year so I'm not sitting here pounding my fist on the desk saying fire Barry Odom I'm saying that if, if you don't at least have him on a hot seat, you're, you're Pollyanna. You're being silly. I, mean, I think he obviously he's going to survive because of the Florida game almost entirely. And I am curious to see what Barry Odom does in a post-Drew Locke era because he's had this quarterback who has been the focal point of the team on both sides of the ball. He has been sort of looked at as our Michael Porter Jr. was in basketball. It's Drew Locke, Drew Locke, Drew Locke all day long. And he's got to build a new quarterback system. And he'll have had four years of recruiting to have built the defense that he wants to build, and we can no longer blame bad defenses on bad personnel not set up for his scheme, even though it should have been set up for his scheme anyway because he was on our staff. Anyway, well, all, all excuses should be gone. It'll be just like the Kim Anderson era. You you put up or shut up. Kim Anderson didn't put up. He's gone. Barry Odom's turn. He said, you know, if, if you give him a fourth year, you cannot say that you've been premature. You're not like the SEC programs that pull a guy halfway into their first season. If he wins out, he's going to get a second bowl in three years, which is something that Pinkle didn't do. Right. You know, like I said, I think he gets his, I think he gets a fourth year. And I know I've, there's some fans right now that are screaming. Our very high caller last week is probably very upset for me saying this. But like I said, I think 
there's an impression because this show likes to deal in reality, but we're against Barry Odom. Like, no, dealing reality is just, just dealing reality. This is what is happening on the field. The defense has been porous for three straight seasons. We are shitting the bed early in seasons. That's, that's, that's a reality. These are things that cannot be just glossed over. Well, it harkens back to what I was saying earlier. I mean, if you want to be happy about the direction of Missouri football, you can say two bowls in three seasons, in his first three seasons, you know, you can point to positive things. But it's going to be tough for a lot of fans to gloss over the, the what could have been from the talent he's had this season. You know, that offensively, it should be a juggernaut. The well, running I, game is I, great. I the tight good. ends are great. The wide receivers are okay. And the quarterback looks great. Those should will, translate into offensive power numbers. I think, though, it, one thing that I feel like works for me in Barry Odom's favor when I'm th- when I'm evaluating Barry Odom is that I think Drew Locke from the day he walked on campus has been overrated. I think he was on television with the Elite Eleven. Um, I think he was a homegrown product. I think he's a, a legacy, and I think he's got a big arm. And the combination of those things made everyone think he was the chosen one. And I don't think he's the chosen one. I think he's a, a good, good to serviceable college quarterback with phenomenal arm talent. But he's not transcendent. He's not quote unquote elite. He's good, you know, and that's all he is. And and good is a lot easier to replace than elite. So I think when we talk about what Barry Odom has squandered, I don't know that he's squandered. He hasn't squandered an elite quarterback. You know, he's he's got a good quarterback, and I think that's part of this team's issues is that we've sort of set our expectations because we've acted like uh, Drew Locke has been Peyton Manning for four years, and the truth is he's he's been I don't know he's more Matty Malk than Peyton Manning, and that's not an insult. I'm not trying to be insulting to Drew Locke. I'm just mean that he's not like I said he's not one of these transcendent Cam Newton types that takes that Auburn rides all the way to a national championship. He's not Tua. No, he's not Tua. Well, guys, you want to hear what the uh, callers thought about uh, this week's game? Sure. Perfect. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail when it comes. I want to wail. So Vandy just uh, scored on a five-yard run because, you know, we don't want to play today. But legit question, why the fuck is our field so shiny? I noticed this, too. That is a legit question. I was watching the game, and it was it looked like we were playing on that Easter candy, or that Easter basket <laughs> yeah. grass, you know? And they painted it. You, did you say they painted it? Yeah, that's painted. They do a lot of them this year because they start to turn and shit, and they have to put new turf in. Well, that's what I was going to say is that I know those those turfs are good for about seven years, and yeah. I know we got new turf when we joined the SEC because they put the SEC logo on it and everything. And what is this, year six? So I think maybe our turf is ending. And also we're one of the only teams in the SEC that actually uses artificial turf because they live in climates where grass does not fucking struggle to live. You know, yeah. unlike this piece of shit fucking climate we live in. So they have natural grass, which never looks shiny. So I think that's a combination of it. But I, it was noticeable to me, too. I'm like, is it always like this every game? And maybe it was the 11 o'clock start, too. The sun was directly overhead. Could be. Well, it may have been slightly wet, causing a sort of a glistening effect. All we great theories. Some snow. Yeah, like, this is great. Let's talk Astro field management conspiracy theories. Well, the one guy who left a voicemail is going to be very happy that we dove yeah, into this well, topic. Yeah, I wonder what Inf- Let me look at what InfoWars says about our, our football field real quick before we move on. Fuckity, fuckity, fuck, fuck, fuck. Yeah, that's the kind of call I was expecting mid-show, mid-game. I guess my problem is this. Anyone can get your team up for a road game in the swamp. You know, they came out They came out fired up. They came out ready to fucking rock and roll last week. 11 a.m. in your home stadium versus Vandy. I understand it doesn't have quite the pull, but 
as a coach, coaching staff, you've got to get these guys woke up and ready to play. Because for that first of all, that first quarter, defense didn't show up until like what two or three drives in, and even then, they couldn't defend anything over the air at all. Uh, offense, you know, came out hot. His his just stalled dramatically. I know like we're not great, but I know Vandy isn't that good either. And I, Florida has been stank oil all season, but that was, that was still a really well played game. I just with fears for the future of this team. I feel like Florida game is going to give Odom another year because if he can't get a team for this game, we're going to lose a lot of winnable games like the Kentuckys, like the South Carolinas, and we're never going to be anything more than like a barely sneaking bowl game team or just a 5-4 win team under his under him this whole entire thing. Hopefully the second half's better, M-I-Z. Maybe I'm wrong when I say I should give Odom a, a fourth year if he wins out. Maybe that's Maybe I'm being too generous. But I just feel like some people think head coaches are too easy to replace. You know, sometimes it, maybe I'm just suffering from better the devil I know. I'd rather just deal with Odom and his flaws than go out there and end up hiring, you know, David Beatty and have him tank our fucking program. But No, I don't think you're wrong. I think programs also need to know where they are or where they stand in the national picture. And if we get to where we're firing people the first time things look bad, then we get a bad reputation and we won't be able to hire anybody. We can't, we're not Georgia or Auburn. We need to keep a guy who gets to a bowl game, I think, in, in general. You know what I mean? Like, there are circumstances, but what's Missouri doing? Firing a guy who wins eight wins. You know what I mean? Or yeah. nine wins. No, for sure. No. And that's what I mean. Like I like I said, I feel like because we have been uh, more than happy to point out the uh, very real issues that Odom, Odom has coaching this football team that people think we are just like anti- completely anti-Odom. It's like, it's not that. And uh, we are certainly aware of where we are and who we are in this conference. We're not going to get that big name coach, you know, there's going to be too many openings. That's never going to be us. There's always going to be some blue chip program. That's going to fish away the guy that we would wish we could have. I don't fucking believe it. Thank you. Fucker McCann for making it interesting. Gosh, damn. Come on, Tigers. M-I-Z. Fucker McCann. Usually it's Tucker McCant that we hear. <laughs> I will say the, the snaps and the holds, well, not really the holds, the snaps are terrible on a couple of those field goal trips. Our special teams in general is garbage. Yeah. I, I always feel every time we return a punt or even just fair catch a punt or anything that uh, I just bite my nails because I feel like we're going to yeah. muff it or do something fucking stupid. and Or just how many field goals have we had blocked? You know what I mean? When's the last time our return game got us any consistent good field position? When Jeremy Macklin was here? Well, I'll tell you this. Last week, Whitey McWhiterson had a good run back. Yeah, and obviously we never haven't seen him since. Because, you know, <laughs> it's insane. It's yeah. insane. It, 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 he is Tyler Hunt reincarnated. Our, our special teams is junk. You know, the, the giving up a punt, uh, punt return touchdown in the uh, Kentucky game was obviously devastating. We never do anything in the return game. I Really, I wish we could just, like, it was like my kid's flag football game where they just sat the ball in the 20 and there was no kickoff, and that way there was no opportunity for uh, Mizzou to fumble it. You know what I mean? Because like, like, we're not going to do anything positive with it on special teams. We're not going to get good field positions. It's only an opportunity for us to make a mistake. That's all it is. So, like, just let us sit it on the 20. Like, let's go flag football style for Mizzou. I'm, I'm still waiting for the passenger friends called in. I'm going to call you know. It's because it says zero. It doesn't mean it's over. I, I, I'm I'm kind of upset we let the game get to that last drive, Kentucky-esque throwdown there, when talent-wise we're just so much better team than Vanderbilt. And I know we won, and I should be positive, and that's what my wife keeps saying to me. But just scares me <laughs> that we let Vandy lead us for three quarters and then almost come back and beat us in the fourth. So, so have we won? We're bull-bound. Hot damn, but Barry scares me. So, MIZ, guys. I think he, he pretty effectively summed up the, what, what most fans are feeling right now. 
So game just ended, my immediate reaction. I think that um, for one, actually, real quick, we finally escaped a last-second drive for once. Missouri just didn't absolutely fucking shit down their legs and blow it like it normally would. But for once, we finally did something good and won a game. So I think that Vanderbilt is kind of a similar team to Mizzou where no one's really talking about them. They lost a bunch of close games. They're really good teams. I think we were remiss by nothing. It would be a close game. But all that aside, Barry Odom needs to get, get his shit together. I'm still on the Fireberry train. Fireberry. But anyways, solid win. We won. Go Tigers. M-I-Z. <laughs> well, I spent my Friday night with a gentleman at a bar who was in my ear about how they need to fire Barry Odom. And I was trying to talk him off a ledge. And he was ready He was ready to drive to Columbia and, and like, boycott or, like, in, in March with a sign in front of the athletic building. He was very, very hot. It wasn't Caleb? No, it wasn't Caleb. Well, as we can see today, Missouri is still trash. We can hardly win over Vanderbilt. This guy's super enthused. Still can't kick consistently. At least this time the refs were correct about it not being a field goal. It sounds like he's That's reading it from, the post game from a Bueller. It sounds like he's reading it from a terrorist script or he's got like machetes at his head with a big ISIS flag behind him. But hey, at least we're going to a shitty bowl game. <laughs> Sorry, man, we didn't get to hear much of what you said because we were mocking your tone. But we also love and support you. Thank you for calling. And thank everyone for calling. <laughs> Okay, this last one, I debated whether to put it in or not. It's a good time to remind everyone that the uh, callers are, don't represent the opinions of us or anyone else. Should they say things that are maybe socially uncouth, we uh, we turn our back to them and step away and uh, won't acknowledge it. But here we go. We'll play it. I guess it was a good win. It got exciting at the end only because I thought we were going to blow it. Other than that, that game was kind of boring. Not a lot of things to take away. I mean, the running game looked great, but do you see how many white guys are on Mandy's defense? It's really not a lot to take away when you run all over a bunch of white guys that are going to go on to be, you know, like accountants and Supreme Court justices. So, M-I-Z. Yeah, I'm not touching that one. Not touching that one either. All right, let's go to the break. Come back. We're going to have some Kansas news. Maybe we'll even have a call from the coaching staff. So, till then, this is the Mazotcast. Don't throw that used cell phone away. Sell it to Midmo iFix. Midmo iFix buys and sells used cell phones that include a 30-day warranty. So if you lost your phone overboard, the screen's cracked, or the phone's broken, stop into Midmo iFix and see Kevin. And if you have no use for that old phone, turn it into cash. Midmo iFix, located next to Emo's Pizza on Osage Beach Parkway. 573-694-8795. Midmo iFix. Phones fixed fast. And we are back. On the line with us right now, we've got head coach for the Missouri Tigers football team. Barry Odom has joined us for the first time in a few weeks. Coach, it's good to hear from you. Hey, boys, what's going on? Well, I tell you, it's been a real roller coaster of emotions for us following your football team. After the uh, Kentucky loss, obviously, you know, you took a lot of grief from us and from a lot of fans. And then last week, we had probably the best win of your career. Hey, boys, I'll tell you what, after these last couple of wins, I'd like to tell everybody one thing. 
suck my left nut. Sure, sure. I, I kind of assume that might be your uh, your reaction to. Uh, hey man, it's winter, winter venison dinner. <laughs> venison dinner. Larry Odom is taking it out and chopping it up now. Speaking of venison, are you doing any hunting? It is deer season, and I feel like that uh, might have hurt attendance at Mizzou's football stadium. Hey, who can blame a man? Deer hunting's the best. I wouldn't have been there myself if Jim Sturk had implicitly told me that if I missed the game, I would lose my job. Yeah, I think that's smart of Jim, actually. You are paid quite a bit of money to be at 12 games in a year, so I don't think missing one of them would have been very good. I guess, but man, deer season's only two weeks long. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And they put it right in the middle of football season for some reason. I don't know. we got to talk to them about that. Yeah. But you know what? You hunt in the summer, and they got ticks. <laughs> You're not supposed to hunt them in the summer, Coach. I know, but uh, don't ask me how I know they got kicks. <laughs> but man, do they got? Do they ever got kicks? Okay, all right. Well, coach, let's talk about this Vanderbilt game. After the uh, up and down from Kentucky and Florida, you snuck out a win against Vanderbilt again at the last second. Comes down to the last play. This time, you come out on top. How's it feel? Yeah, it feels good, man. Like, uh, like you know, real good. I mean, there's not a better word to describe it. I think than good. Well, I think, and, and that's how I feel. We were hoping you'd be a little more flowery than that, I guess. Uh, have a little bit more uh, input on your thoughts on the game. Well, what do you want me to say, boys? I'm a, I'm a realist. I mean, we played like shit for three quarters. I mean, I don't want to toot my own horn too much. Well, if that's true. I forgot yeah. that you like to measure your performance based on the amount of time in the game that you were doing good. Because Kentucky, you were winning for three quarters and then lost, that's and right. we were mad, and you were happy about that, it seemed like. And now yeah, we won that game for most of it. Yeah, and then this game in Vanderbilt, the fans are happy that we came out on top. But you're now you're saying you're upset because you trailed for three quarters of it. Well, listen, man, I'm good. I'm glad we got the W. That's what's the most important. But we did lose this three quarters of this game, I would say. And so you know, I don't like I don't like to feel that way. I mean, there's an imbalance there. Well, coach, I would I would just advise you maybe to lean more on the victory part of it, not the uh, terms of how it came to be. I mean, look, we've spent the last. Hey, man, 30- I, got a, I got an open mind, man. I'll, I'll try that. You know what I mean, I'm not one of these guys who won't try new things. Maybe you're right. Maybe the W's in the old line on the on the ledger are more important than how many quarters you led. You, you know, know, granted, I, we've been I telling can, people maybe for thir- I can get down with that. <laughs> yeah, we've been telling people for 30 minutes that a win is not a win. That uh, you know, some wins are better than others. But at the end of the day, uh, I will take a shitty win over Vanderbilt or Kentucky rather than a shitty loss over the two teams. Oh man. Can you believe we did that too? I mean, I figured, man, I was on the sidelines going, well, we lost this one. When we, when they were in striking distance with three plays at the end of the game, I thought sure we were going to lose. Coach. I, I would have bet anything. Coach, you're our coach of our team and you thought you were going to lose? Well, yeah, I did. But I mean, listen, I'm glad we won. It's not, but I just, you know, hey man, you, you guys watched Mizzou football a long time. Did you think we were going to win? I thought, man, there's no way. They're going to definitely throw a touchdown. No, in fact, I was or counting my. Or call a, you know, a, Pass interference and put them on the two-yard line, and they would win with zero minutes on the clock. Yeah, that's you know, happened. Something. That's happened. You know, I, I was thanking the heavens that uh, Derek Mason seemed to not know how much time was on the clock when we were getting ready to oh, uh, punt and bled 25 seconds off before he finally called the timeout. That helped us, too. Yeah, that guy makes me look like a goddamn brainiac. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that guy that guy coaches at Vanderbilt, too, and them guys are supposed to be eggheads. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Coach, speaking of... That guy got dropped on his fucking head. <laughs> Okay, well, all this uh, trash talk is leading us to my next point, which is that uh, we talked about how you and Coach Mason might be the biggest matchup in an actual fist fight between SEC coaches, that you two might be boys, the top I'm of the not, Boys, listen, listen, this, that's not even a contest, because what you don't know about old Barry is that he practices MMA in his garage with his sons almost daily. Is that right? Yeah, we get we got the 
the ropes up and everything. I'll bounce them off the rope, and then I'll do a flying elbow drop. And, you know, we'll, we'll do suplexes and flying arm bars. That's, I'm going to bring some sweet MMA at him. I mean, there's nothing me and my boys like better than sitting down and watching on USA Network, you know, the uh, MMA, WWE fights. Coach, I, I feel like you're describing things that aren't necessarily uh, mixed martial arts, but are more like uh, the pro wrestling that's sort of scripted and artificial and fake. What are you talking about? For one, it's not at all scripted. This is, these, these men are superior athletes, warriors going to war with one another. And, uh, you know, Ray Mysterio Jr. is the best MMA fighter. I don't think he's, I don't think he's in the league you think he's in. Well, whatever he is, that's what I do to Derek Mason. I, I do a, I do the stone cold stunner. <laughs> Coach, I think you're watching professional wrestling that's very popular amongst 12 year old boys who don't realize that, uh, the outcomes are scripted in advance. I think you're a pro well, wrestling like- fan. Not an MMA fan. I feel like that's fake news. Yeah, it may be. It may be, Coach. I want to talk to you a little bit about uh, Tennessee. We're playing Tennessee next week. We're going into Knoxville. Going to be a tough game. Pull this one off. you got a seven-win season guaranteed of a winning season. It's a big one. How are you preparing for this matchup against the uh, Volunteers? I don't know, man. I don't even like to think about it. I hate that place. It's like playing football inside of a bowl of sherbet. Yeah, it is an ugly orange, isn't it? Oh, my God. The worst. But at least they got rid of that flat-headed idiot that used to coach him. Butch Jones. And that guy sucked. Yeah, he did suck. But I kind of miss him, actually, Coach. We uh, we had some good memories about we playing thought they were buddies. Yeah. I thought, yeah, that's right. Weren't you and Butch Jones buddies? Well, we used to be. We kind of had a falling out. Well, about what? Well, he was a big Gary Johnson guy during the election, and I just didn't cotton to that. <laughs> Third-party guys, huh? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize you had such strong political convictions, Coach. Well, boys, hey, man, there's certain things you don't know about old Barry. Yeah, I, I know. Well, we find that out every week. Coach, uh, you, you got bowl eligible this week. That was a big obstacle we overcame. There's two out of the first three seasons of your uh, coaching career here at Mizzou. You've taken us to a bowl. Did you celebrate? Well, yeah, I mean, it's bittersweet. You know, we get to go to a bowl game. Looks good on my resume. We get to take a trip on the university's dime. You know, downside, I've got to work an extra month. You know, sure. Uh, Didn't think about that. Yeah, you know, that's a month more practice for me. You know, what I mean, everybody thinks, wait, well, bowl game, way the way to go. But if somebody told you, hey, that means extra. What, how many people like extra work? <laughs> not, not many. Me, not very. <laughs> okay. Well, I guess I if I didn't look at it that way. You're you're right, Coach. But I just meant, did you did you have a celebration at home or with the wife or out and you know with your team or did you go out with your buddies uh, to celebrate a big uh, milestone in the season? Sure, man. I just went home and saddled up the old lady. You know, told her we made a bowl game, and uh, I hope that uh, that <laughs> exits are now entrances. <laughs> <laughs> All right, coach. That's that's uh, I think that's as much as we want to hear. So, uh, uh, congratulations on the win, and we look forward to watching your team play next week against Tennessee. Uh, good luck to you. Yeah, boys. Thanks for calling. M I Z Z O U. Barry always surprises me. He's never as up with big wins, and never as down with big losses as you might expect a college football coach to be. Well, he's pretty even keel, you yeah, know. He tries to stay in the middle. That's one thing I'll say about Barry. You know, is he. He's, uh, his teams don't give up on him, and uh, he seems to keep perspective. Yeah, he knows how to celebrate. He was a big Jill Stein fan, either. <laughs> I assume that's who he was. Well, I don't know. He didn't clarify. He just didn't didn't like that Bush Jones was a Gary Johnson guy. No, he left it wide open. Yeah. Well, fellas, what do you say we tackle some serious news and head over to Kansas for our weekly segment of Kansas News? Well, I was heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, 
sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. Judge orders arrest of Kansas cult leader who claimed to be Allah. This has all the makings of a good Ooh. one, fellas. Allah? Yeah. Allah? That's, yeah, I know. It took a turn, but, uh. I, I wouldn't expect that in Kansas. But you throw in cult and then it gets a little more on the. Yeah, sure. Straight and narrow here. Nearly six months after ordering a cult leader and his group to pay almost $8 million in damages to a woman they've effectively enslaved for 10 years, a federal judge has ordered the cult's leaders arrest. I guess enslaving a woman will get you arrested, it sounds like, even in Kansas. Royal Jenkins was the founder and leader of the Values Creators, Inc., formerly known as the United Nation of Islam. On Friday, U.S. District Judge Daniel Crabtree issued a bench warrant for his arrest after finding that Jenkins had ignored numerous court orders. In May, Crabtree found that Jenkins and the Values Creators, which is based in Kansas, had forced Kendra Ross to work without pay at various businesses run by the group from the time she was 11 years old. Jesus. Here, with reckless disregard for the plaintiff's health and safety, defendants intentionally and maliciously trafficked and forced her to work in their residence for excessive hours with no pay and benefits, Crabtree wrote. Crabtree's damage award was believed to be the biggest verdict ever awarded in a human trafficking case. Jenkins is thought to reside in Arizona, but listed a Kansas telephone number on the docket for Ross's case. A person who answered the phone at that number claimed to be Jenkins' liaison and said he would forward the request to Jenkins. Two states that aren't going to blow my hair back if there's a cult leader taking advantage of people and possibly enslaving them. You know, Kansas and Arizona are going to be up there on that list. Both of those states. Yeah. Royal, Jenkins, what, Royal Jenkins, is that it? Royal Jenkins is correct, yes. I think he played wide receiver for Texas. In the early <laughs> it does sound like a Texas wideout, yeah. Yep, that's yeah. the guy. Well, this Royal Jenkins is a long-haul trucker who declared himself to be Allah four decades ago. At the end of the testing period, 1978 and a half, says Jenkins, two scientists slash angels actually came physically and took me onto a small craft around the universe to acquaint me with who I am and what already exists to ensure my success in being myself, Allah, the supreme being. Jenkins wrote on his totally normal website, that is a twist that uh, angels use spaceships. That's a, that's a new twist on this story. You know, the, those these modern day kook religions. I like how they sort of incorporate science and in their quackery. You know, it's like yeah, we're sure. not we're going to totally ignore real science, but we're going to dip our toes in it. You know, with our yeah, angels. Sure. Yeah, just hold on. These two metal rods in our little gauge will tell us how many uh, evil spirits are living inside your brain. That's right. <laughs> you know I mean, it's like it's a religion, but there's some there's some sort of Strange science stuff worked in there, yeah, like there's, a Tesla coil on something. Yeah, there's, fuckers don't fuck with my face. Scientology is real. <laughs> it's like oh, yeah, a, I forgot Caleb is a devout Scientologist. Right. Big L. Ron Hubbard poster right here on the wall. He's <laughs> Caleb's sex dungeon, yeah. It's like those guys don't like facts, but they do love brushed metal, you know? <laughs> yeah, sure. The uh, <laughs> the cult operated a variety of businesses with the word your in their names. Your diner, your supermarket, your service station, and your colonic center. Not a joke, not added, actually a fucking fact, your colonic center. Well, they probably stole a big blow-up colon. Yeah. <laughs> I think we could tie together two stories here. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Um, so anyway, it sounds like he might be going to prison for a long so time. So Allah's going to jail? Sounds like it for sex trafficking. That's, that's rough. Caleb, you touched on our next story for the day. Sigh of relief after Kansas police recovered giant inflatable colon. 
Uh, we reported the tragic colon going missing. We reported the big reward being attached to the large inflatable colon. And now, fellas, the colon is back. You can rest easy. I haven't slept well since it's been gone. <laughs> sure. There's a sigh of relief after police recovered a giant inflatable colon that is used to teach about the dangers of colon cancer. Kansas police on Tuesday announced on Twitter a tip led officers to locate the pilfered intestine inside a vacant home. The 10-foot-long, 150-pound prop valued at $4,000 was stolen this month from the back of a pickup truck. It had been purchased by the Colon Cancer Coalition, which hosts walking and run events under a Get Your Rear and Gear campaign and was stored at the University of Kansas Cancer Center. There's a silver lining to this story. Donations poured in after the theft, and the coalition was able to purchase two replacement colons. Holy shit. I don't... I don't... I don't want to seem uh, callous here, Brendan, but how many inflatable colons does a cancer center need? Well, I, I, more than one is the answer we know now. In that, uh, <laughs> apparently, that Kansas, if they, if it ain't nailed down, someone will fucking steal it. They just proved that for a fucking fact. Did, did, did they say what the motive was for stealing this colon? Did uh, I missed that. In the story? I, I, I think I'm just telling you right now. It wasn't nailed down, thus it was thievable. You know, well, it, they will take literally anything. Those filthy, criminal, sticky-fingered pricks that they, the subhuman urchins, urchins they call Kansans, will take anything, and they're awful. So, I just thought, well, this is a huge upgrade over my double corrugated refrigerator box that I'm living in. I'm going to have this giant inflatable colon to live in. <laughs> well, I'd like to stick to my. To have sex. I, I'm going to stick to my theory. They were having sex with the colon. It was inflatable after all. <laughs> Got some big boys down there in Kansas, apparently. Giant pocket colon. <laughs> A flesh colon. <laughs> Kansas man gets probation for trying to take marijuana into prison. A man caught trying to smuggle drugs into a Kansas prison has been placed on probation. Leavenworth County prosecutors say 56-year-old Charles Anthony Newsom was sentenced to two years in prison after he pleaded no contest to trafficking contraband into a correctional facility. Can I guess where he hit him at? <laughs> take a stab at it. He definitely put him in his butthole. That is where they go, typically. You want to stay out of jail, and you come into jail with drugs. I think you're taking more of a risk than I would want to. You know what I mean? I I've never been to jail, but I imagine if you're smoking weed, someone's going to smell it. <laughs> yeah, well, maybe it's got one of them bait pens. I happen to know a fellow who snuck drugs into the Cole County Sheriff's Deputy's you know, jail cell. He, he was on a little 30-day stint. Yeah. And he did it by taping the drugs to the back of his nutsack. <laughs> well, that's what you call dedication and creativity and ingenuity. Well, I feel like if, if if nothing else, this podcast can be informative. If you're if you've got to do a thirty day stint in a county jail, uh, tape the drugs to your nutsack. Yeah, the more you know. Get excited, guys! There are always fun things to do in Kansas. This week will be no different. The Wichita Garlic Fest, such a hit, it's expanded to two pungent. Food-filled days. November's usually a season of food and beer and pumpkins and all things fall, but a couple in Wichita learned last year when they put on Wichita's first garlic festival, people are ready to celebrate the pungent bulb any time of year. Ori's Garlic Fest, put on by Ori's Farm Fresh, returns this weekend for its second installment. It was so popular last year, it's grown into a two-day event with more garlicky food and garlicky fun. It's the coolest thing to do in the entire state of Kansas. Oh, God. We learned a lot from year one. It's grown quite a bit, said Megan Greenway, who, along with her partner, Wes Johnson, put on the first festival on their urban farm. We've realized from the attendance and enthusiasm from vendors and people who came that it needed to be a two-day event. We needed more space. You know, 
nothing brings out people's passions like garlic in Kansas. You know, it's just, it's the little things that are important to these urchins. I think I have some advice if they want to put on a good garlic fest, and that is when you have your freaky, weird garlic sex orgy. Take <laughs> Which is the, coming. We all know it's coming. It, it's, it's, all, it's part of every garlic fest. You <laughs> eat the garlic food after. You know yeah. what I mean? Be thoughtful to the person who you're with or people. The person, I people. What that orgy smells like. Well, garlic for sure. You know, I think we. It, I think it, it smells like a fucking Olive Garden. So imagine a. Uh, and not just because of the garlic. Salt. Imagine a porno theater with a broken air conditioner, mm-hmm. and then dump a bunch of garlic into it. You guys are making me hungry and horny all at one time. <laughs> and that's the way Caleb likes to stay. It sort of yeah. smells like a bunch of longshoremen having sex in a butcher shop with garlic. As <laughs> a bunch of Italian guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sweating on each other. It smells like a Jets game is what I'm saying. Imagine a rancid, <laughs> a rancid fucking smelly turd, but instead of full of corn, it's full of chopped garlic. <laughs> Colin, I already said it smells. Of what the orgy at the garlic fest smells like. <laughs> I already said it smells like a Jets game. I think you're describing that perfectly. Sure. So, garlic fans, do we want to make any more comparisons to what this this orgy might smell like? It Anybody got anything else? Kind of maybe smells like Joe Pesci's nutsack. Oh yeah, boy, my that can't smell good. I'm going to say Sasquatch's dick after having a rough intercourse with a corpse and garlic. It won't smell like a vampire. That's the only thing I know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Garlic fans can buy different varieties of garlic grown by Ori's Farm Fresh, including smoked garlic, black garlic, as well as artisanal garlic salts. So this is all a big scam by Big Garlic trying to get you to buy sure. garlic products. Oh, black garlic in Kansas. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> good point, Caleb. Good no. point. Uh, speaking of Kansas... Did they play any football this weekend? They did. They played football against uh, Kansas State and the greatest mid-century modern coach of all time, Bill Snyder. That's right. He is mid-century modern. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mid-century modern Bill beat his foe at Kansas, twenty-one to seventeen. Yeah. Now that was a real. That boy, what a Kansas what a, led this game for a lot of it. What a heavyweight fight. Well, you, Caleb, I want to back up. I think he is well described as mid-century modern because he is appreciated by almost everyone, and you, people pay way too much for him. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Appreciate him way too much for sure. Yeah, yeah, that was a heartbreaker. I think for uh, Kansas, wasn't it? It came down to the wire, and uh, Kansas basically fucked it away and gave the win yeah, to I can't Kansas believe State. Their lamed up coach couldn't get the job done. I know he's got <laughs> so much to uh, coach for. Yeah. So uh, he's literally doing crossword puzzles on the sideline during the game. He's obviously just like, just just riding out the contract. It's like Bill Varsity Blues when Moxon's on the sideline, looking like he's looking at a playbook, but he's really reading a novel. That's what their coach does the whole game. <laughs> yeah, he's smart. He's going to Brown. If you guys aren't familiar with uh, yeah. Varsity. Blues. Yeah, he'll fuck that whole brand. Hey, can, can we talk about Varsity Blues? Like, can we just go from like the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie, like just discuss the plot? Just kind of. Right. So that is, you know, Varsity Blues. Far more than Kansas game. I think it. You know, maybe we'll hold off till uh, after the season's over. I would love to uh, have an in-depth movie review of Varsity ooh, Blues. Ooh, Brennan, Brennan, yeah. you know, we're always wanting content for the, the off-season. Right. I think right. we should do a Varsity Blues special episode where we just talk about, well, all three watch Varsity Blues. Like I just said, the thing I just said, yeah, yeah I agree with that. Watch. I agree <laughs> with me. Watch Varsity Blues. It's my idea. Great, great idea, Colin. I don't know where they come from. This popped right <laughs> into your head. I love that dog. Dude, we're doing that. We're Caleb, doing. Give Colin a big slap on the back for that great idea. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You know, we got this, this live show coming up. I think we should do a Varsity Blues live show. Yeah, I'm not against this. I love me some Darcy. 
You know, <laughs> I, didn't. you can't beat a good whipped cream bikini. Oh, yeah. no. Oh, it's one of the greatest things in life. Uh, just so you know, the more you know on this one, whipped cream does not work on a warm body. No, um, it doesn't. melts off, doesn't look that good. Almost immediately. Yes, you've got to eat it just right off the nipples. Yeah. Quick. <laughs> That's, thank you, Caleb, for that informative stuff. We've been what bringing a lot. What you don't know is that that whipped cream was covering up what looks like an abandoned airfield, not a landing strip. Yeah. <laughs> it was not well kept. <laughs> if this goes well, we'll have a, we can always have a Friday Night Lights follow up. Ooh, we should just, you know what? Forget the whole Mizzou football thing. Let's just do a movie podcast. <laughs> I agree. I think this has been Kansas news, I guess. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was <laughs> Kansas think? news. Why don't we take our final break for the day, come back, and go around the horn with the SEC. This is the Mazzotcast. What's up, dum-dums? It's your good friend Colin here. And I'm here to talk to you today about something deadly serious. I know usually I'm a prankster and a jokester, but the topic I'm about to talk to you about is more serious than just about anything I can imagine. And that is the majesty and delicious taste of Schlafly beer. Schlafly is created by the St. Louis Brewery, Missouri's largest locally owned independent brewery. Every year they pump out over 50 unique styles of beer for you and I to enjoy. And we're so proud to have Schlafly beer as a Mazodcast sponsor. So if you want to be a true Mazodcast fan, a true Missourian and a true American, buy you some Schlafly beer and get blackout, piss drunk, responsibly. Schlafly beer. I've been chasing the big wheels all over Nashville, waiting for my big break to come. Living on ketchup soup, homemade crackers and Kool-Aid. I'll be a star tomorrow, but today I'm a Nashville bum. I look good in cowboy clothes and I sing through my nose. Webb said that's the way to get her done I smoke good old P.A. like the Opry stars They say I'll be a star tomorrow But today I'm a Nashville bum I love this idea <laughs> So we're back, and uh, we've been uh, brainstorming and spitballing on this whole Varsity Blues live watch party. It's coming together. <laughs> so it is now? <laughs> during, yeah, sure. During the break, uh, we were discussing maybe what we would do is we would make, ask you to uh, get Varsity Blues queued up on your television, and we would say, and play. And we would all play it at the same time. So you're watching in real time as we are uh, giving basically like the director's cut you know, the uh, mon- monologue of Varsity Blues. So uh, you could you get both, you're getting entertained on both ends, sort of a Chinese finger cuff situation. So here's here's what I'm thinking, Brennan. Okay. Is, uh, you know, there's that, mu- that month-long period between the season ending and, ending and the bowl game happening. Yeah. We've got to fill that month with something. There's got to yeah. be at least one show in there that's something. A lot of people would say basketball, but go ahead. Yeah, but bas- I mean, basketball, schmaskball, varsity blues. <laughs> that's right. Let's, let's uh, do a spoiler alert for basketball. We're going to finish 15 and 18. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I guess it's time for SEC around the horn before we go down another varsity blues road. I don't want to leave this road. We, we, we break our bread and waffle house or team. Some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. We built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. 
loves football. And Colin, would you fire up the old Paul Finebot? Will do. Nick Saban, Nick Saban. All righty, we're ready. Are you ready? Good to have you with us, Paul. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. So, guys, what happened this week in the SEC? Oh, lots of things happened. First off, Old Miss played Texas A&M. Yeah, we knew there was going to be a lot of scoring in this one. Yeah, it, it was it was a decent game for a little while, but A&M ended up winning 38-24. to Yeah, they pulled away in the fourth quarter there. That, that Ole Miss defense just, it gives up a lot of points. Yeah, they they are not uh, not good at defense. You know what? That that's two bad teams playing each other. I mean, right they're neither one are very good. No, I think they were both five and four going into that game. And Texas A and M they they've squandered. I have a feeling that Jimbo at some point in the next three years will put a really good team out there. It's just not there now. Yeah, and yeah, they he doesn't have much to work with. Next up, South Carolina played Florida. After Mizzou beating Florida and Mizzou losing to South Carolina, it's kind of an interesting game. Florida ended up winning 35-31. to 31. Yeah, that uh, had to be a heartbreaker for South Carolina. I think Florida was down by 17 points at one point. You're right about that. Yeah, it looked like Will Muschamp was going to put it on his old team down there, and then Mullen, Mullen fired up the offense and brought him back. Yeah, hey, if you guys get a chance, I want you to watch Mullen being interviewed on the sidelines. I've never seen somebody turn his head so much. I, I was just saying that to my girlfriend yesterday, that he looks like somebody who would be very easy to do an impression of. I mean, obviously he looks like Cousin Eddie from Christmas Vacation. But <laughs> he sure does. Yeah, he, he's got mannerisms that are very unique and uh, individualized to him alone and not many other humans. And also he seems incapable of holding his neck up. He's yeah, always he's lurching forward. Up and down, his head's turning around. I mean, like, I was watching the uh, post-game interview where he was just talking to the lady in, the, in this non-visual medium we're on. I can't really uh, do it justice. But, man, it was uh, it was off-putting. Like, what is that guy's moving his head around so much? Yeah. I think we've covered the important parts of that game. What's next, Caleb? Oh, Alabama and Mississippi State. Uh-huh. Uh, Alabama actually did not break broom handles off in anybody's ass this week. It was 24 agree. to nothing, but Mississippi State, and what happens every week now, got fucked by SEC officials I don't out agree. of a touchdown and several other things in this game. I so, don't agree. Closer than it appears. Not sure about that. I yeah. don't agree. I think that uh, Alabama clearly got away with one. That replay that didn't happen, I was watching that game. They fucking fumbled the ball, and they didn't even bother to do an instant replay. I don't agree. No, they didn't. I watched the fucking game. It was insane because it was, it, even if you didn't agree that it was overturnable and it was a fumble, which it was, you certainly should say, well, they need to stop and fucking review this if they don't want to look like fucking Alabama homers. You know what I mean? Like if the conspiracy theorists were given ample food this week because of that. Well, I don't. My 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 take on all this is that they are not in the bag for Alabama. SEC officiating is just really, really bad across right. the board. I mean, like we feel like as Mizzou fans, we've been screwed multiple times, and we have. But we are not no. in any small category. They literally, you know, make a boneheaded call in about half the games in the on the docket each week. Like like calls you could just be like, what the fuck? I don't know who's in charge of the officials. Like I know there's the. The head of the conference, but I mean, like, who is like that department head? I don't know who it is. Somebody after as I bad as the season has been, somebody's head needs to roll. I mean, it is bad. The SEC officiating is making a making a case to be the worst conference in, when it comes to officiating in all of college football. I can say this much too: after Tua left that game, and of course Jalen Hurts is is out. 
basically, too. They put their third stringer in. Alabama is very, very beatable if you take two out of that game. They can't muster anything. I don't agree. Yeah, their offense becomes much more uh, vulnerable. Uh, That being said, they shut out Mississippi State, the second opponent in the two consecutive weeks nationally ranked that Alabama has shut out on their third-string quarterback in the fourth quarter. I don't think you should get a shutout against Mississippi State, though. It shouldn't count. Okay. terrible offensively. But, That's true. They yeah. did have 14 yards passing that one game. So what else we got? Well, the old uh, cousin fucker border war, Tennessee and Kentucky, with a ranked Kentucky, what were they, number 11 in the country, playing yeah. Tennessee, who had just beat Charlotte by 11? Yes, sir. Well, number 324th ranked in the nation, Tennessee beat Kentucky 24 to 7. <laughs> Yeah, this was coming. This was due. Missouri should have been the team that did it. Obviously, Georgia beat them, but I mean, Georgia's way better than Kentucky. We were better than Kentucky, and now it looks like Tennessee well, is better than Kentucky. Well, it's basketball season in Kentucky. That's right. They're changing their focus to where it belongs. Tennessee is still the pick to win the SEC East. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Paul. I think they've got a shot. <laughs> I'm going to have to check his motherboard when we get back to the back to the garage. There are a lot of places I would really like to visit in this country that I've never been to. Missouri, not high on my list. Okay, wow, that's uh, apropos you know, of nothing. Maybe is, I guess maybe he doesn't need to be reworked because that's spot on for Paul. Yeah, yeah. Paul uh, Paul has still gotten a surgery back there somewhere about t- Tennessee supposed to be good. Got to get that yeah, scrub. I wonder if I, maybe I shouldn't get him. You know, like uh, they talk about uh, like in a when you have a bird, you should put a mirror in the uh, bird cage so the bird thinks there's like company around yeah. so they don't go crazy. I feel like maybe I should do something for Paul out in the garage, like get get him a cat or something. Yes, sir. He I mean, seems like a cat type robot. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've always heard that cats are really good at ident- you know, like connecting with and identifying uh, debilitating loneliness in a person, i.e., Brennan and his cat. Okay. And I maybe Paul would maybe I should get Paul a cat. Maybe you should get Paul some drugs. Yes, sir. I don't know about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I'll drink to that. <laughs> yeah. I'll have another. <laughs> Onward and upward from that. Everybody happy. <laughs> Auburn visited Georgia this week. Auburn loses Georgia this week, ten to twenty-seven. I think we all saw that coming. Yeah, that was uh, that was an easy pick, I believe. And then last game on the schedule in the SEC was LSU and Arkansas in a batshit crazy game that went down to the wire. That LSU won twenty-four to seventeen. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't give me much hope that uh, either Tennessee or Arkansas are going to go down without a fight. I want, I'd like to talk to like LSU fans because I feel like they really like Ed Ogeron because he is sort of some sort of like propaganda character of what you think a Cajun person is. Yep. But, you know, so he's easy to like identify with and like down there. But I feel like there's a little bit of an Odom syndrome there where they're like, is he good? Is he bad? Like, I don't know what he you is. You know, Colin, I think there were a lot of people that uh, liked him because of everything you just said about his Cajun roots and his basically mm-hmm. be embodiment. If LSU were a single person, he would be yeah. Ed Ogeron. So if they made the Waterboy 2, Ed Ogeron would be the head coach of that thing. I mean, it is 2AT. Well, yeah. he is in the first. Remember at the very end of the movie when Adam Sandler's dad shows up and wants to be his agent? That's, <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure that Ed Ogeron I think Colin's movie. right. Yeah, I think he did a cameo there. Um, yeah, well, Kathy yeah. Bates uh, tackles him, I think. Yeah, that's okay, right. That's that's right. Yeah. But, but despite yeah, all... But I'm your pappy! <laughs> <laughs> but despite all of that... I think a lot of people were like, oh, he was a cute hire, and, you know, I hope he has a couple wins in the two seasons we give him before we hire a real coach from outside. They weren't looking at him as the answer, and I think they this year they were starting to buy in, and then it all disappeared after the just blowout to Alabama. I think everybody was like, got back on reality on reality's terms after Alabama shoved it way up their poop hole. 
I'm not paying enough attention to LSU football to know whether what he is and what he should be and what they should do. But I can tell you this, no SEC's team should fire their coach or hire their coach based on what they do against Alabama. You should be Alabama fired. is a force of nature, a fucking juggernaut. It is not an indication of a failure on your program's part for not beating Alabama. Who does that? It happens very, very rarely. You should be fired. That does it for this week, right, Caleb? Yep, that was all the games from this week, and we we have a full slate coming next week. All right, who's on deck? All right, we've got Arkansas visiting Mississippi State, which yes. in batshit 2018 college football, who the fuck knows who's going to win that game? Mississippi State. Paul has his ideas. They are a really good football team. They're not no, really, no. No, they're, they're not. He's high. They're fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> and then... This is the time of year that you're either deep into the SEC schedule or you get to play a turd. So Florida gets to play Idaho or some bullshit this week, too. So In terms of great matchups in college football history, this will not qualify. <laughs> well, I hope Florida does well against Idaho or some bullshit. Yes. Good Whoever team. They're playing. Good squad. Kentucky gets to play MT University. So is that Mike Tampa University? I'm pretty sure it is. They're going to be tough. Kentucky. They sound a lot like Ed Ogeron. Yeah, Kentucky's going to get healthy on MT. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Caleb never looks at the he's, – he's fucking letter schools, getting them deep into the season. You would think he'd be done with the letter schools. Mm. Well, I'm sticking with them. I'm not fucking looking at them. You shouldn't be playing a letter school week 12 of the season. 100% agree. At least Alabama's going to play a word school, but uh, they're going to play the Citadel this week. Does that count? Yeah, I don't know that they're a Division <laughs> One football team. but they, Yeah, any they, school that forces you to get a haircut doesn't count, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> well, oh, I like moving that, on, Georgia gets to play Massachusetts. Oh, boy, what is with the schedule? Yeah, it's a good one. I'm sure Georgia. the Paul Feinbaum show this week will be full of him wagging his finger in, in uh, dismay at these terrible, terrible uh, games on the schedule. Oh, we're not right done yet. Uh, Liberty uh, ventures down to Auburn to play. Liberty versus Auburn. I think I'm guessing it's Liberty. It's LIB. It could just be a you know liberals going down there to visit. <laughs> Auburn's taking on all the liberals. Auburn. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> send the liberties, liberals down there to be owned. Yeah, and they will be too. Yeah, they sure will. And then another week game coming up is. Uh, University of Alabama, Birmingham, which is a letter school, but I went ahead and changed to a word school here. It's going to play Texas A&M, who is a word and letter school. That's wow. true. Thank you for the analysis. <laughs> Caleb's analysis. 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 Well, that sounds like a slate of shitball games and kind of... We're not we, done yet, are we? No, we've got more. We're God damn. Three more games to talk about. Fuck, yeah. there were only like five games this week because we actually played each other. Yeah, you you wouldn't believe how many shit games are on the schedule. We still got Chattanooga. Is it Chattanooga? I'm gonna go. I'm looking that up. I believe it's uh, Tennessee Chattanooga gonna visit South Carolina. South Carolina. Yeah, that's pretty easy to say. Ole Miss and Vanderbilt. Hey, those We've, are two teams in the same conference. Yeah, we finally got into uh, we finally got into a, a real game. I want some uh, some whiskey. Paul needs some whiskey. I don't know anything about Ole Miss. Or Van- Vanderbilt, really. You know, in fact, despite the fact I just watched a game where they played in it. I'm yeah. like, but if I just watching this game, I'm like, man, Vanderbilt's got a really good receiver and a quarterback and a running back. I'm going to guess they're going to beat Old Miss. I, which you know, they'll probably lose by 27 points. Yeah. I think it'll be 48 to 43. You know, it'll be, that's, it seems like the last three Old Miss games have been, you know, the over under has been over 80. And then the last game on the schedule is Uncle Ben's Rice goes to play at LSU. Not what I expected. 
No. Or I, just rice, depending yeah. on what you... They don't it usually could, go with the full name. People. Yeah, it could be white rice, it could be Spanish rice, but it's all Uncle Ben's. Mm-hmm. And that is that is all the games except for Mizzou and Tennessee. Wow. How about that shit? So it's funny because the games really don't matter that much. We know who's going to go to the SEC championship already. That's been in stone for a while, Georgia versus Alabama. Everybody's just either pl- jockeying for bowl position or there are a couple teams not in the SEC who are trying to get in that uh, final playoff spot. But for most of the SEC, the final two games don't mean much, even though it just means more. i tell you what, guys, that, that's, that's around the horn, right? We've got everybody in? We've got it all. Let's blast through these awards because we got an important announcement I'm really excited to make. So not really an announcement, but we just want to log roll and pump our live show. Let's start with the Douche of the Week segment. Douche of the Week. TJ Moe's Douche of the Week segment. You guys have uh, candidates. Ooh, I don't know. I want to do the the replay crew at that uh, Alabama-Mississippi State game. I was fucking outraged. The officials on that game are, yeah, real douches. And usually we don't like to go with officials because there's going to be bad calls on almost every game. But fuck, the fact that they did not didn't even, even review it. Didn't even review it. And and the fucking broadcasters were going crazy about it. They must have showed that replay 15 times. And the replay staff in the uh, booth was probably like, after they saw that they didn't review it, was probably like shitting down their legs because they knew they fucked up bad. I could also put Ozier on in there for at the end of the game not taking a fucking knee and running the clock out, and still not getting a touchdown to cover the spread. Yeah. But the official's probably more douchery. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I forgot that Caleb's interest in the spread is far higher than his interest in the outcome of the actual games. Yeah, that's all that really matters. So I have no passion for this, Colin. Do you want to give the uh, officials at the Alabama-Mississippi State game the award? Yeah, I, I basically want to give it to them every week until I find out that something's the doing something about this horrible problem disaster they have on their hands. You probably hire Jeff Sessions to run him. He's free. He's open. <laughs> looking for, <laughs> looking work. for a job. All right, guys. And now, now it's time for Kirk Farmer's hair player of the game. Who you think you got? Beckner, just for saving the fucking game with a sack. It was one of the biggest plays of his career. I'm glad he got it. Yeah, yeah and that fourth and goal uh, stop. I mean, that was that's the game too. Yeah, that that was a big turnaround. I think Colin, maybe you had tweeted out something about like how stopping them at fourth and goal from the one, and then marching ninety nine yards to get a touchdown. That should be the game changer that makes the difference. And then you're like, should, but you know, being as it's Missouri, no big game changers, game changing enough. I don't actually think I tweeted that, but uh, it's a good tweet, so I'll take full credit for it. Mm-hmm. Caleb, I think maybe you tweeted that. Uh, I didn't, but I will also take credit for it. We both tweeted that, Brennan. Okay, thanks for tweeting that, guys. I think someone has hacked our account, but they're better tweeters than us, so keep at it. What about old Daniel Parker converting to tight end to uh, fill in the gap whenever we our two big star tight ends go down and having a huge fucking a couple of plays? That was exciting. I don't yeah, know. At one point, I saw somebody said he's got like three. T- he's got like three catches and a two touchdown, third line conversions and a touchdown or something. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it worked out well. It makes you feel like uh, that if you are playing tight end under Drew Locke, you will probably have some good numbers. Yeah, it makes me feel like that uh, the middle of the field is just a fucking huge Achilles heel for just about every college team, including uh, Mizzou. That's true. I've seen a lot of it. As as Vanderbilt's tight end proved over and over again. (laughs) That's a good point. Yes, indeed. Uh, I certainly don't want to give it to Drew Locke, who had two interceptions that were nasty ones. One was a very costly time. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, and that, that's, he that loves to do that. Him, but, mm, yeah, you know. I know. Well, it, it's a miscommunication between him and his receivers, and I don't know who to blame that on because it happens over and over and over again. So I think it may be coaching as much as it is Drew Locke, but, and also dumb fucking luck that it can absolutely never fall into our hands. But 
But you know what? We did have some good luck. Whereas we tried to fumble the ball really hard yesterday. We never mentioned, and we kept coming up with our recovering our own fumble. I mean, I don't know how many times that fucking happened on our yeah. Easter grass field. Yeah. Well, they probably don't practice it during the week. And Barry told them to do it game time. Yeah, that's right. He's got some nothing to do. Work on yeah. that in game time. Any? We settled on anybody? Crockett, Roundtree, Parker. Fuck, uh, I don't know. Let's go with Parker. I like to give him the newbie. Yeah, let's do it. Daniel Parker, you earned something today, and that's called the Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game Award. The Golden Mantle. All right, now on to the real business. Guys, Thursday, coming up. A little nervous. We're going to have a live show in Columbia. Never done it before. It's going to be at ITAP, the International Tap House on campus on 9th Street, 6 p.m. Be there. We're going to have prizes. We're going to have callers. We're going to have all kinds of stuff. We'll have beer. Erections. We'll have erections. All those things. Show up, please. If you're in the Columbia area, come down, meet us, curse at us, do whatever you'd like. Uh, like I said, we're going to have, try to have a good time and there will be booze there. So I don't know how we won't. I got a new pair of yoga pants just for the event. Yeah. You can see Caleb's bulge in his yoga pants. It's going to be great. If for nothing else, come for Caleb's bulge. Caleb's moose knuckle is worth the price of admission. (laughs) Agreed. We're all going to be together. We're all going to be, uh, cussing about Mizzou. We're going to, be shitting on Tennessee. It's Tennessee week. The, I'll say this about the Mazatcast. It's terrible. It's a terrible show. You shouldn't listen to it. It's one of the worst things that college sports has ever produced. But when it's Tennessee week, that's when we shine. We mock Tennessee for seven straight days, and it always ends in a Tiger victory. It's a glorious time to have a live show. So uh, you don't want to miss it. Agreed. Fellas, are you ready for Tennessee week? That being said? Sure. Why not? Can't wait. <laughs> Seeing kind of an enthusiasm and really, frankly, support and buoying my efforts to record a podcast that I was hoping for. Thanks. We tried. <laughs> that, that too. Good stuff. All right. I just want to end the show. All right. We're in. The Chiefs game just started, man. I'm, 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 I got to get it going. All right. Tigers are six and four, playing Tennessee. We're going to have a live show. We're trying to pump you up for it. Colin's not interested. M-I-Z. <laughs> M-I-Z. I said that already. No. C-O-U. Go Tigers. You guys fucking suck. <laughs>